This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. We're going to hear first this week from Sherlock Holmes. Here is September 24th, 1945, episode titled The Eyes of Mr. Layton. After that, it's Nick Carter, Master Detective, and The Case of the Poker Murders. That episode aired May 21st, 1946. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting story about his good friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And I'd like to tell you something that maybe you already know. The fact that America's favorite wine is port wine. Did you know that? If you didn't, you'll know why port is the way out front favorite if you'll just sample some Petri California port. You just look at that Petri port and you know it's good. That wonderful, deep, rich red color. And Petri port is so clear. Just hold it to the light and you can sort of see right through the glass. But what you want to know really about a wine is how does it taste? And I'll tell you something. I've never yet been able to find the adjective that'll do Petri Port justice. It's wonderful, honest. You've just got to taste it for yourself and find out for yourself. You'll love that Petri Port in the evening after dinner when you're sitting around listening to the radio. And it's perfect to serve your friends when they come over. You can show them that Petri label, too. In fact, you can show it proudly. Because the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now for our weekly doctor's visit. Let's see... No, 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 Mr. Bartell. Don't say let's see if he's expecting us. You know I always expect you at this time on Monday evenings, my boy. So draw up your usual chair and settle down. Thanks, doctor. Ah, that's it. Ah, All alone this evening, doctor? Where are the puppies? Out on the patio. They had a most unfortunate encounter with a dead seal on the beach this afternoon. In consequence, they're a little uh, malodorous, shall we say. (laughs) In that case, Doctor, perhaps we'd better change the subject. So, suppose I ask you about tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. Well, my boy, as I told you last week, the story took place in the foul alleyways of Limehouse. It was there on a foggy December evening in 1890 that my story began. An old friend and patient of mine, Isa Whitney, had disappeared, and his distraught wife had come to me for help. Knowing the man to be the victim of the shocking habit of taking opium... I suspected that I might find him in one of the vile dens inhabited by the dregs of the waterfront. And so, Mr. Bartell, about five o'clock on that December evening, I began my search. After an hour of fruitless wanderings, I found myself in a vile alley called Upper Swandham Lane. I could hear the distant moans of the riverboats as I walked, eyes alert, and hand on the revolver in my coat pocket. Suddenly, I saw a steep flight of steps leading down to a black gap like the mouth of a cave. I walked down them. The steps were worn hollow in the center by the ceaseless tread of stumbling feet. I reached the bottom. 
A door faced me, and above it, a flickering oil lamp winked warnings at me. I found the latch and lifted it. The door squeaked open protestingly. And I entered. There was a tinkle of Chinese wind bells as I walked towards a long, low room. A strange sight met my eyes. Through the gloom, thick and heavy with the brown opium smoke, I saw that the room was terraced with wooden berths, like the forecastle of an emigrant ship. Out of the shadows, there glimmered little red circles of light, now bright, now faint, as a burning poison waxed or waned in the metal pipes. Bodies lay in strange, fantastic poses. Bowed shoulders, bent knees, heads thrown back. The attendant came up to me with a pipe and beckoned me to an empty berth. I haven't come here to smoke your filthy drug. I'm looking for a friend, Mr. Isa Whitney. No, Mr. Whitney here. Well, I'm going to search the place. You must not disturb the place. I'm carrying a revolver, so you'd better not argue with me, my good man. Out of the way. I searched that filthy den, but found no trace of my missing friend. As I was leaving in despair, a long shaking hand reached out and plucked at my sleeve. I turned, and there sprawled in a berth was the wreckage of a man. His gaunt face yellow and twitching, his clothes filthy and ragged, and the pupil of his eyes like pinpoints. He spoke to me in a thin, quavering for heaven's sake, get me out of here. Now, look here, my man. Don't say you won't help me, Governor. Ain't you got no heart? Please help me, Governor. Take me out of here. Strike me pink. I'm going to me, I tell you. Well, what must you expect if you indulge in this filthy habit? Take me out of here, Governor. I'll go straight this time. Cross me out, I will. Oh, very well. Come along with me. I suppose it's my duty to help you. Ah, oh, bless you, Governor. Here, here, now, give me your arm. You cannot take him away. He owe me money. That's a bleeding lie. I paid him when I come in, I did. He cannot go with you, mister. You remember what I said about my revolver, you blackguard? If I have any more trouble with you, I'll, I'll fetch the police. Come along. He owe me money. He owe me money. Infernal scoundrel owe me money. Tell him all proper, Governor. I hope you didn't. Now, look here, my good man. I'll give you a square meal, some advice, and some medical attention. But the rest Never mind I... the advice, Watson, but I'll take you up on that square meal. Holmes! Yes, I'm very glad to see you, old fellow. What brought you to that filthy den of iniquity? Oh, this is me. I want to find a friend. And I, an enemy. <laughs> Your disguise is wonderful. It completely fooled me. But I'm afraid the proprietor was beginning to penetrate it. That's why I staged the little rescue scene. Had I been recognized, my life wouldn't have been a, worth an hour's purchase. Well, how long had you been there? Why were you there? Come on, Holmes. Tell me all about it's it. It's a pleasure, old chap. But first, let's find a, a chop house. I want that square meal you promised me. Excellent meal, Watson. Yes, they're surprisingly good for such a shoddy-looking place. Well, Holmes, now perhaps you'll tell me what you were doing in that opium den. I've already told you my story. I'm shadowing a most unusual criminal. A man who haunts the opium dens. Yet I know that he himself is not an addict. Well, I don't see anything very criminal about that. He might be looking for a thrill, or perhaps he's one of those writer fellows or something. But this man pretends to be an addict. I watched him closely. He fakes his smoking. And grease paint has enabled him to simulate the characteristic pallor of a drug victim. 
even affects the typical mannerism of nose scratching. But it's his eyes that give him away. Mm, the pupils are wide open, I suppose. Exactly, old fellow. Whereas, if you were really addicted to the drug, they would, as you know, be contracted. I myself always treat my eyes with a special, well, a special kind of drop on the occasion when, uh, well, I have to enter these dens. Well, why does a man haunt an opium den in order not to smoke? That, my dear Watson, is the problem that I intend to solve. Well, perhaps the fellow's a policeman or a private detective like yourself, Holmes. I've already checked on those possibilities. No, Watson, I believe there is only one answer. I believe the man is planning a murder. A murder? It's a tempting setting for a murder. Your victim is an addict, drugged and helpless. Your witnesses... And are in an equal state of befuddlement. The proprietor is anxious to cover up the crime because of the police. That you. Yes, sir. Now, the question is, who is the intended victim? That, my dear Watson, is why I've been shadowing this man. Unfortunately, he was not present in the den we just left, but I intend to continue my search. Holmes, uh, can I help you? My, my wife's away, you know. You know, it's a long time since we were on a case together. I should be delighted, my dear chap. I've missed you sadly during the past few months. And I, you, Holmes... What's the next move? Back to Baker Street, old fellow. My disguise is wearing thin, and I must contrive a new one. New disguise, eh? Well, which one shall it be, Watson? Well, how about the old flower seller? <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> well, it's pretty fresh, Violet. Oh, no, 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 my dear fellow, no. Hardly appropriate for an opium dinner. In any case, the clothes are so wretchedly uncomfortable. Well, how about the music hall singer? Oh, that chap, yes. Oh, I don't want to be beside the seaside. Oh, I don't want to be beside the sea. I don't want to stroll along the prom, prom, prom where the brass band plays tiddly. I'm, oh, confound it. Who can that be? You weren't expecting anyone, were you? No. This is just like the old days. The doorbell ringing, Mrs. Hudson toddling off and bringing up some poor devil in trouble and... Say that rather wistfully, old fellow. Don't tell me that you repent of marriage. No, of course not, Holmes. Mary's a perfect darling and I couldn't be happier. Just the same. <laughs> it's rather fun to be back here again. Come in. Yes, Mrs. Hudson? Uh, it's a gentleman, sir. He gave me this card. Says he's very anxious to see you. Hmm. Wayne J. Layton, President, Layton Corporation, Chicago, United States. Ask him to come up, will you, Mrs. Hudson? Aye, sir. Well, it's quite the cold times to see you back here, Dr. Watson. Uh, just what I was saying myself, Mrs. Hudson. Hmm. Mr. Layton has scribbled a message on the back of his card. If a thousand pounds for a week's work interests you, you'll see me. A thousand pounds? Big fish, Watson. Very big fish. This way, sir. Thank you. Oh. How do you do, Mr. Layton? I guess you're Sherlock Holmes. You guessed correctly, sir. Excuse me. Oh, Mrs. Hudson, just a moment, Mrs. Hudson. Hi, Mr. Holmes. Sit down, won't you, Mr. Layton? My name's Watson, Dr. Watson. I'm Sherlock Holmes's colleague. Uh, yes, I've, I've heard about you, too. Uh, like a cigar, Doctor? It's a good one. Sent me back three shillings. Oh, three shillings? Oh, thank you. That's very nice. Just put one. Oh, three shillings. Oh, Splendid. And now, Mr. Layton, may I ask what brings you here? I'll talk fast and to the point. I'm a businessman. I like to do things in a business way. I have a chance to control the guano deposits of the Republic of San Pedro. Their minister will be in London tomorrow, and if it weren't for one thing, I know that I could swing the deal and get the concession. And what is that one thing, Mr. Layton? The deal is secrecy. I thought no one knew about it, but when I got here, I found out that my biggest business rival has gotten wind of what's going on. He's an Englishman. I've never met him, but uh, he's right here in London. Now, I'm not going to tell you his name, not until you give me your word that you'll work for me. 
Just what you wish me to do, Mr. Layton. Get this rival of mine and keep him out of circulation for a week. I don't care how you do it, and I won't ask. In a week's time, I'll give you the other half of this 500 pounds I brought with me. Oh, good, Scott. What kind of uh, Watson, do you... Watson, give Mr. Layton his hat and gloves. That's it. Thanks, old fellow. Goodbye, sir. Uh, what are you doing, throwing me out? I can't think where you uh, gathered the impression that I indulged in kidnapping. Once again, goodbye, sir. And here, sir, you can take back your cigar. Well, if you don't want some easy money, I'll soon find someone else that does. This is the last you'll see of me, Mr. Holmes. Life is full of little consolations. Hmm. Some people seem to think that money can... Watson, the game's afoot. Mr. Layton is the man I've been seeking. The man who pretends to be an opium smoker. Why, Blaze, did you let him get away? Here, I'll go after him. No, 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 no. don't worry. I've already arranged for that. Oh, how? When I left the room just now to talk to Mrs. Hudson, I was intending to tell her to summon some of my band of street urchins. You know, the Baker Street Irregulars. When she informed me that half a dozen of them were in the kitchen at this very moment, partaking of one of her incomparable steak and kidney pies, the rest should be obvious. You left instructions for one of them to shadow Mr. Layton when he left her. Elementary, my dear Watson. Oh, don't tell me that Layton back again. No, I think not. I should say that at the moment he's just about to walk out of the front door. No, I think we shall have another visitor. And judging by the commotion, the incoming and the outgoing visitors know each other and are not on the best of terms. Well, it sounds to me as if they're having a fight. Here comes Mrs. Hudson to tell us about it. Come in, come in. Oh, Mr. Holmes, you've got another visitor. Uh, so I gathered. Mrs. Hudson, you gave my instructions to one of the boys? I did that, sir. Young Wiggins was going to follow the gentleman. Well, Mrs. Hudson, what was all that commotion about downstairs just now? Oh, it was the two gentlemen shouting at each other. Him that was leaving and the one that was waiting on the doorstep. And who is our new visitor, Mrs. Hudson? Here's his cards. Oh, thank you. Linton Chumley, 9 Belgrave Square. Well... Ask him to come up, will you, Mrs. Hudson? Very well, Mr. Holmes. Oh, one thing more. Yes, sir. Uh, please instruct another of the Baker Street Irregulars to follow this Linton Chumley when he leaves here and report to me. All right, sir. You're taking no chances, Holmes, eh? You're having this fellow shadow, too. Leighton is a potential murderer. Of that, I'm convinced. This Mr. Chumley might possibly be his intended victim... While we are talking to him, Watson, old fellow, I want you to be sure to look at the condition of his eyes. Yeah, certainly will. Come in. Oh, good evening, Mr. Chumley. How are you, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? I am. This is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do, sir? Uh, that was Wayne Layton that was just left here, uh, wasn't it? Now, won't you sit down, sir? Uh, thank you. I don't want to sit down. All right, you needn't answer my question, but I know it was Layton. I've never met him, but I've seen his picture in the newspapers. Oh, very well, then, sir. It was Wayne Layton. Ah, I know why he came to you. He's he's trying to have me put out of the way while he closes that deal on the San Pedro and Guana concession. Now, look here, Holmes. You've got to be on my side. Whatever fee he offered you to dispose of me, I'll double it if you'll take care of him for a few days. Oh, dear me, this is becoming monotonous. Watson? The hat and gloves? Thank you, old chap. That's right. Good night, Mr. Chumley. Uh, look here, Holmes. I'll, I'll treble his fee. I'll quadruple it. My dear Mr. Chumley, I have accepted no fee from Mr. Layton. I don't propose to accept one from you. Your hat and glove, sir. Uh, that man is out to kill me, Holmes. Well, if you won't help me, I'll go to the police. That's an excellent idea, Mr. Chumley. Again, good night. Did you notice his eyes, Watson? Yes, the pupils were contracted. He's obviously an opium addict. And also a potential corpse. Well, what do we do now? Wait for the irregulars to report? No, you'll return home for your medical bag. I have a feeling that you'll need it before the night is out. Then come back here. If I've gone before you return, I'll send one of the irregulars to bring you to wherever I may be. Wait until you receive a message from me. On your way, old chap. There's work ahead of us. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Wiggins, you're certain that this is the place that Mr. Holmes told you to bring me to? Oh, yes, Dr. Watson. The corner of Swanham Line and Brixel Street, Mr. Holmes said. Yeah, well, this is the spot, all right. I don't see any sign of him. Hello? This old woman coming towards us. <laughs> so that's the disguise he chose. Oh, spare me a few coppers, will you, mister? <laughs> My feet had something awful, and I ain't had a bite of food all day. <laughs> no, you don't, Holmes. You... Can't fool me this time. As a matter of fact, your makeup isn't very convincing. You hardly look like a woman, and nobody's nose could be quite as red as that. Don't look like a woman, don't I? <laughs> My nose is too red, is it? I'll take that. Uh, no, steady, look My here. My funny, but poor old woman has plighted me. Don't. I, sorry, madam, I, I didn't mean to insult you. <laughs> well, matey, she gave you a bit of what for right, didn't she? Ah, box your ears. No mistake about it. You mind your own business. And anyhow, why aren't you aboard your ship at this time of night? Because I'm not a sailor, Watson. It's Mr. Holmes. Great heavens, Holmes. I wish you you wouldn't confuse me like this. I'd never recognized you. My dear Watson, when you're able to recognize me, it will indeed be the beginning of the end. When your eagle eye penetrates my disguise, I shall realize that my retirement is imminent. But enough of this. See that house opposite? You mean the ramshackle place with the broken tiled roof? Yes, I gave the irregulars instructions to let me know at once... If our two quarries ever enter the same house at the one time, they're inside there now. And I'm going in after them. Be careful, Holmes. I'd better come along with you. Can't I come too, Mr. No, Holmes? No, certainly not. We'll keep watch outside. If I need any help, I'll smash one of the windows. And then you can come in after me. Wait here for me. I don't expect I'll be very long. But... I'll be here, Holmes. Don't worry about me. Just take good care of yourself. <laughs> One o'clock, Doctor. Yes, I know, Wiggins. He's been in there half an hour. I'm beginning to get worried. Start going off, No, no, sir. no, Wiggins. You know Mr. Holmes. When he gives orders, he likes some... There's a signal for help. Keep watching the house, Wiggins. I'll be out in five minutes. Go for the police. Right, sir, sir. All right, Holmes, all right. I'm coming. You have searched my house from basement to attic. Why do you not give up? I tell you again, there has been no one here tonight. But my friend came in here half an hour ago. I saw him, and before that, two other men are known to have come in here. Uh, if that is so, then where are they? Three men cannot vanish. That's just the point, you scoundrel. Out of the way. I'm going to search this hovel again. I'm not leaving here until I find Mr. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second. And if you don't mind, I'll take that second to say just one word to the ladies. And that word is muscatel. Petri California muscatel. I want you women to know about it because Petri muscatel is one wine that practically every woman likes. Maybe because it's such a beautiful color, like pale gold. But I guess really because Petri Muscatel brings you the wonderful flavor of luscious, sun-ripened Muscat grapes. And that's a flavor. Try Petri Muscatel after dinner, or any time as a change from Petri Port. Remember, if it's a Petri wine, you know it's a good wine. And now back to Dr. Watson and tonight's story, The Eyes of Mr. Layton. Well, what happened next, Doctor? 
When you searched the house for the second time, did you find any trace of Sherlock Holmes or the two rival businessmen? No, Mr. Bartell, I'm afraid I didn't. What did you do? I told Wiggins to report the matter to the nearest police station and then rattle back to Baker Street in a handsome cab as fast as I could. When I arrived at the old familiar doorstep, I wrenched at the bell in a frenzy of anxiety. Finally, the door opened, and there stood Mrs. Hudson. Dr. Watson, what is it, sir? Why, you're as white as a ghost. Mr. Holmes, is he here? I, sir, came in half an hour ago. He was dressed as a sailor and was half carrying some drunken friend of his. Oh, thank heavens he's safe. I'll go up. All right, sir. Now, what's no chat? There you are. Holmes, I can't tell you how glad I am to see you. Who's that, uh, that lying on the sofa? Well, I'll be back, Watson. Oh, I'm afraid the poor devil's done for. Great Scott, it's Wayne Layton, the American fella. With a knife wound between his ribs. See what you can do for him, will you? Right. This is extraordinary, Holmes. You said that Layton was a potential murderer. And now he's a victim himself. The biter bit, eh, old chap? Yes, he's still breathing, but he, he hasn't a chance. I'll try him with an injection of strychnine. Holmes, how did you get his body out of the house? I, I searched the place from top to bottom. I, I found no trace of any of you. When I went in, I found the stabbing had already taken place. The proprietor then bribed me, or rather the broken-down cellar he took me for, to smuggle the body out through the secret stairway leading to the wards of the back of the house. Well, there's no trace of Chumley there? No, he must have left before me by the same exit. Well, then you smashed the window and bolted. Yes, I knew that I could count on you to hold the fort while I was getting the body away. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Try to say something, Watson. I... Yes, the injection's beginning to take effect. Uh, yes, Mr. Layton? Uh, what are you trying to say? Uh, tell us who stabbed you, uh, sir. Shh, shh, shh. Lips are moving. Mandalay. He's dead, Holmes. Yes, but he gave us the clue to the murderer's identity. How? In the word he mumbled just before he died. Sounded to me as if he said Mandalay. Precisely, old fellow. Never did a corpse give us a clearer instruction as to our next and final move. And that is? Back to Limehouse, Watson. Back to Limehouse. Ah, uh, here we are. This must be the place. What's this? Another opium den? Yes, I knew that since Chumley refrained from smoking earlier on in the night in order to keep his faculties alert for murder, that an enormous reaction would set in. He'd have to find a den at once, and beyond question, a different one from that in which the murder was committed. But how do you know that he's inside here? Well, just before you returned to Baker Street tonight, I had a message from one of my regulars. He tracked him here after he escaped from the scene of the stabbing. That was a couple of hours ago. He might have slipped away again. No, Watson, tonight he came to drown his senses with a wretched drug. He'll be here. Come on. Second injection of caffeine should bring him round. He's heavily drugged, but I think it'll work. Surprising what a five-pound note will do, isn't it? Yes, the proprietor let us bring Chumley into his private room and he... Shh, shh, shh. Mm -hmm. Look, he he's coming mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Who 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 are you? Who what what do you want? You remember me, sir? I'm Sherlock Holmes. Oh yes. Yes, I, I remember you. You're in serious trouble, Mr. Chumley. Very serious trouble. Uh, trouble? What, what trouble? 
Wayne Layton didn't die. Oh. He's badly wounded, but he's going to live. He's at Baker Street now. He wants to go to the police and give evidence. You, you've got to get me out of this, Holmes. I'll, I'll pay you anything. Uh, Ten thousand, twenty thousand. Why did you stab Layton? He, he was in my way. I wanted the San Pedro concession. I, I meant to kill him. But we can fix it up now, can't we, Holmes? We can fix it up yes, now. Yes, we can fix it beautifully, sir. As neat a murder confession as ever I listened to, Holmes. Exactly. Come along, Mr. Chumley. I think some night air will be good for you. We'll take you for a nice drive to Scotland Yard. some kippers, gentlemen. You've both been up all night, and I'm sure you can do it. That's very thoughtful of you, Mrs. Watson. Yes, indeed it is. Uh, what is Mrs. Watson going to say when she finds you've been out all night? Oh, don't you worry about that, Mrs. Hudson. She's very understanding. <laughs> it's lucky for you that she is. Well, I'll go and lead you to your breakfast. Holmes. Yes, dear fellow? There's only one thing that puzzles me about this case. Oh, what's that? When Leighton was dying, he muttered the word Mandalay. How did that give you the key to the murderer's identity? Oh, the dead American had never met Mr. Chumley, you remember, except when they bumped into each other in our hallway. Yes, he told us that he recognized him from the newspaper photographs. Being an American, he had no reason to know that the name Chumley is in no way pronounced the way it is spelt. Oh, I never thought of that. Chumley. That name spelt C-H-O-L, Chow, M-O-N, Mon, D-E-D-E-L-E-Y. Charles Mondelay. Mondelay. Precisely, old fellow. What you thought to be Mandalay was really Charles Mondelay, the name of the murderer. Amazing case. You did a remarkable job, Holmes. <laughs> I'm, I'm beginning to be confoundedly sleepy. Why not sleep, old chap? Your old uh, room's all ready for you. Are you going to take a nap? Oh, dear me, no. Hmm? I have much too busy a day ahead of me. Let me look at my engagement book. Uh, Baxter Square Murder. Mm-hmm. I've put the police on the track. The Duchess of uh, Ferrers. I've got her material. The princess who was about to run away from home. Good gracious me, let her run. The Pope's cameos. Ah, yes, yes. His holiness must not be kept waiting. Uh, can, uh, can I help you again, Holmes? Uh, Mary doesn't return <laughs> until tomorrow. Well, I thought you were sleepy, old fellow. Sleepy rubbish. I never felt more wide awake in my life. <laughs> That was a swell story, Doctor. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it was really funny when you mistook that old lady for Holmes and she slapped your face. It wasn't really funny at all. <laughs> I sure it was. Come on, admit it, Doctor. Well, she did look like Holmes in disguise, you know, and you would have made the same mistake that I did. Okay, okay. Her nose was ridiculously red and she did look like a man. Uh, look, Doctor, forget I ever said anything. Hmm? I won't say another word. I'll keep my mouth closed forever. Oh, come on, I wouldn't do that. Mr. Bartell? Mr. Bartell? Well, won't you even open your mouth to uh, finish your wine? Your your Petri wine? Okay, you win. You know I'll open my mouth for Petri wine any time. That Petri wine is always good wine. And for good reason, too. The Petri family has always owned and operated the Petri business. They've been making fine wines for three generations, since way back in the 1800s. That adds up to a lot of experience. Experience handed on down from father to son, from father to son. 
The Petri family really knows how to turn luscious California grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. And that's why, no matter what kind of wine you want, I'm sure you'll like it better if it's a Petri wine. Because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watson, what story are you going to tell us next week? Well, now, next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm going to tell you a most unusual adventure that Holmes and I had in the heart of the English countryside. It concerns a corpse, a missing revolver, and a beautiful girl who was frightened of her own shadow. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is based on an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Man with the Twisted Lip. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. The Petri family took the time to bring you such good wine. So when you eat and when you cook, remember Petri wine. To make good food taste better, remember... Pet, pet, Petri wine. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios... This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. What's the matter? What is it? It's a case for Nick Carter, Master Detective. It's the case of the poker murders. Another case for that most famous of all manhunters, a detective whose ability at solving crime is unequaled in the history of detective fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective. Deep in the waterfront section of the city, there lies a condemned slum area. The streets, dark and deserted lined with empty, crumbling tenements. Deep in a grimy tenement deep within, a masked man sits in a hidden room and plays solitaire. This is the sinister master of crime known as the Ace of Spades. Yes? The six and seven are clubs to see you, Ace. Send them in. Well, here we are, Chief. Yeah, you're five minutes late. Oh, sorry, Ace. The cops are watching this area. We had trouble slipping in. Since when have I accepted excuses? <laughs> yeah, boss, we know. What about the other three? Are they waiting at the rendezvous? Yes, sir. And you both memorized my instructions? We got them down cold, Chief, but suppose there's a hitch. There won't be a hitch. The Ace of Spades doesn't make mistakes. Of course... If you make one. No, no, we won't, Ace. You can depend on us. All right. Now, you two had better get going. Okay. One thing. What is it, Chief? Don't forget to leave your calling cards. I don't want to disappoint my dear friend, Sergeant Matheson.
makes clean getaway. Extra, read all about it. Nick, there's a Mr. Ralph Williams here to see you. Ralph Williams? Special investigator for Acme Underwriters. Oh, oh. show him in, Patsy. With the retainer they're paying me, I have to see him. This way, Mr. Williams. Mr. Carter, my company's in trouble. Yes? Well, sit down, Mr. Williams. Tell me about it. As you know, we're the biggest underwriters in the business. But this first storage robbery yesterday, well, we can't take any more of those. Oh, the ace of spades, huh? Yes. Whoever he is, he's hit us five times in the last two weeks. We're paying out a fortune in claims. You're working with the police on this? The police? They're helpless. The ace of spades has been too smart for them. Take that fur warehouse job last night, for instance. Yes? Every burglar alarm was cut or disconnected. The vault combinations were known beforehand. And the locations of the most valuable furs. What about the guard? Was he one of your own operatives? Yes. One of our best men, too. They locked him into one of the refrigerated vaults. Mm-hmm. The ace of spades men leave the usual calling cards? Yes. It was a five-man job, apparently. They left the six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of clubs. Oh, a straight flush. It's a pretty high poker hand. Among his other accomplishments, our friend seems to have a perverted sense of humor. Well, it's a brand of humor I can't say I relish. Mr. Carter, will you help us with the case? I will. Tell you the truth, Mr. Williams, I was just about to drop down and discuss it with my old friend, Sergeant Matheson, in the Homicide Division. You see, the gentleman who calls himself the Ace of Spades interests me no end. I'm looking forward to meeting him... Personally. Hmm. Black ten on red jack. Red four, black five. Yes? The Queen of Hearts is here, Ace. Queen of Hearts. Put her on. Ace, I've got to see you. I thought I told you never to come down here. I had to come. Just heard some news. Nick Carter... I know he's been called in by Acme Underwriters. How did you know? I make it my business to know everything, my dear. But Ace, Nick Carter's clever, dangerous. Yes, I know. It will be intriguing to match wits with him. Now then, my dear, you'd better run along. You've work to do tonight. Aren't you even going to see me? I'm sorry, but I'm busy. I know. You're playing solitaire. Sometimes I think you love that game more than you love me. Come, come, my dear. There's no basis for comparison. Solitaire, like every other card game, is relaxing. Women, when they're as lovely as you, are exciting. Ace, please. Good night, my dear. You won't be late for Rhoda Stanley's birthday party, will you? No, Patsy. You drop me at headquarters and go right on. I'll join you later. Uh-huh. Oh, it's funny the way I bumped into Rhoda after all these years. Hadn't seen her since college, and then all of a sudden I was standing in a nylon line at Trimble's, and there she was. Yes, and now we're going to a birthday party. Uh-huh. The minute she found out I worked with you, she insisted on our coming. She's dying to meet you, and, well, I promised to produce. You sure you don't mind, Nick? No, no, of course not, Patsy. Oh, it ought to be something. She's married to John Stanley. The banker? Uh-huh, that's right. Oh. <laughs> Which is the same thing as saying she's married to $10 million. <laughs> and I was the girl in my graduating class voted most likely to succeed. Well, Patsy, it's a funny thing. Hmm? 
What's funny? Stanley's Bank, the Marine Trust, is putting up the capital to tear down that slum area where the Ace of Spades is supposed to be hiding. Oh, do you really think that's where the Ace of Spades' hideout is? Could be. There are more than 200 abandoned tenements down there. And the two patrolmen murdered in that section seem to point to it. Oh, I won't forget those two homicides in a hurry. Each of them had a playing card pinned right over the bullet holes. Yes, a pair of jacks. Fair sample of the ace's grisly humor. What kind of a man can he be anyway? Infernally clever, Patsy. We know that much. A brilliant planner with a mind that doesn't overlook the minutest details that might trap him. But why all those poker hands whenever he's pulled a job? He's an egotist. Type of criminal who glorifies in his crimes. Enjoys leaving his signatures at each one of them. Oh. This close enough, Nick? Yes, I can walk the other half block to headquarters. Nick, I... Please be careful. Don't take any chances. Now, don't worry. The ace of spades may play his cards according to Hoyle. But I'll play him any way I can to win. Hiya, Matty. Oh, Nick. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, for once, I'm glad to see you. This ace of spades has really got me on the merry-go-round. First, he knocks over two of our best cops. Then he kills this watchman on that warehouse job last night, and he leaves nothing, no evidence, except those blasted playing cards. Yes, I know. Nick, I tell you, this ace of spades is like a ghost. This whole case like a nightmare. Matty, have you got the cards his men left? Yeah, here they are. Hmm. Common pattern. They sell hundreds of decks like this all over town. Uh, what about the... Fingerprints? Yes. No, none. We powdered every card. Even used the iodine test. Nothing to it. Suppose you searched that abandoned slum area. Look, are you kidding, Nick? Of course we did. The night Burke and Finnegan were killed, we went through it with a fine-tooth comb. A devil of a job it was, too. As I can imagine. And as much that place has been blacked out ever since the city decided to dismantle their street lamps in the area to save electricity. Yeah. With all these hundreds of empty tenements, the ace could change his headquarters at will. Why, you could drive a car through there with the headlights turned off and never be seen. Yeah, I know. That's what makes it tough. The place is as black as, uh, well, the ace of spades. I got a couple of men down there now nosing around. Not that I expect to find anything. Uh. Homicide, Sergeant Matheson. Nolan's calling in from a call box down in that tenement area, Sergeant. Yeah. Shall I switch you on? Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to him. Hello? Hello, is that you, Sarge? Yeah. What is it, Nolan? Well, Connors and myself saw a light in one of these here tenements. What? Are you sure? Yeah, positive. The light's gone now, but we got the place spotted. Shall we go in and investigate? No, no, no. Now, now listen, Nolan. You and Connors stay there and keep your eyes peeled on that tenement. Yeah? I'll be right down with the squad. Okay, Sarge. We'll be on the corner of the place, I'd say. Nolan! 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 Say that call box was located at the corner of 16th Street and Avenue F, Matty? Yeah, that's right, Nick. A couple of more blocks and we'll be there. From the looks of things, you must have every cruise car on the force in this area now. Yeah. But judging by what's gone before, I don't think it's going to do us any good. Matty, just look at this area. Nothing but rows and rows of dark tenements and boarded up stores. Yeah, well, I Look, know. there isn't a whole pane of glass in the place. The streets and the sidewalks are certainly littered with this place. Hey, Nick, I heard a shot. Take it easy, Matty, take it easy. One of your boys up ahead just blew a tire. Picked up a piece of broken glass, probably. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this place gives me the creeps, I guess. Uh-oh. 
There's the call box that Nolan called from. I don't see anything. You, Matty? No. Nolan and Connors must be somewhere around, one way or the other. Better hug the walls, Matty. Yeah. Right now we're out in the open like a couple of sitting pigeons. The ace. Matty. Here in this doorway. <gasps> Nolan and Connors. Dead. Yes, riddled by bullets. And look, Matty. The ace left his usual calling cards. The Jack of Hearts on Nolan and the Jack of Diamonds on Connors. And Burke and Finnegan drew a pair of Jacks, too, when they were murdered down here. Four Jacks. Four of a kind. Well, whatever the ace of spades is, Matty, he's consistent. He's still killing. And according to Hoyle... What's happened to the master detective you promised to produce tonight? Well, I can't understand what's keeping Nick Rota. He was supposed to be here long ago. Well, we won't worry about it. Let's just have another cocktail, huh? After all, it is my wife's birthday. <laughs> As you know, Patsy, I'm a lucky woman to be Mrs. John Stanley. Look at the birthday present John gave me. This necklace. Oh, I've been noticing that, Rhoda. Matched diamonds, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a magnificent thing. Oh, that must be Nick now. I'll get it. Uh, what the devil? All right, Stanley, get those hands up. Yeah, and fast. Hey, now, wait a minute. What does this mean? We're playing cops and robbers. That's why we're wearing these masks. But you... Shut up, uh... Stanley. I'll do all the talking around here. All right, Joe, get to work on that wall safe. It's behind that picture. You know the combination. Right. John, all my jewelry's in there. Yes, I know, my dear. I'm afraid there's nothing we can do now. Or any other time. Pretty sure of yourself, aren't you? Yeah, lady, I sure am. How you doing, Joe? Okay. Just got the safe open. Swell. Now, Mrs. Stanley, I'll take that necklace. Oh, John, my birthday present. Will you give it to me or do I have to tear it off your neck? Rhoda, I'm afraid you'll have to do as he says. No. No, I won't. Oh, Rhoda, your husband's right. We're helpless now. These no, men are... they're not going to take my necklace. All right, lady, looks like I'll have to oh, rip it off God. that pretty white neck of yours. Take your hands oh, off my wife. Shut up, Stanley. Stay where you are. I said let her alone, you hear? Take your hands off. Oh, John! John! Nice work, pal. Yeah. Haven't had a chance to use that blackjack in a long time. You've killed him. He isn't breathing. He... Naturally, lady. That was no love tap I gave him. No. You got all that stuff out of the safe, Joe? Yeah. Everything's worked like clockwork. As the chief would say, according to plan. You'll pay for this. Both of you. That's what you think, lady. Oh, um, here's a couple of calling cards. Just to, uh, remember us by. The ace of hearts and the ace of clubs, huh, Patsy? Yes, Nick, and both of the men were masked. We couldn't tell who they were. They hit John. They killed him. He tried to protect me. Oh, now, Rhoda, don't try to talk. You've had a terrible shock. Just lie back on the couch and try to rest. The doctor will be here soon. John! John! I'm sorry, Mrs. Stanley. But someday you'll have the satisfaction of seeing those killers go to the chair. Nick. One of those crooks said everything went according to plan. Do you think the Ace of Spades planned John's murder? Yes, Patsy, I do. But it was so wanton. Whenever the Ace of Spades kills, he kills for a reason. He isn't the type to kill just for the pleasure of it. 
Uh, Patsy, did you notice anything about these thugs? Anything unusual that might give us a clue? No, they were both masked, about medium height, wore black gloves, and... Wait a minute, Nick. Yes? I do remember something now. When the man who hit John with the blackjack raised his arm, I saw his cufflinks. And what about them? They were little black aces of clubs. Hmm. Unusual. Do they look expensive? Oh, yes, very. And not the usual kind of thing you'd pick up in a jewelry store. Probably made to order. Patsy, you're magnificent. I am, Nick? You are. You've stumbled on something we've badly needed in this case. A good lead. From now on, we're going to play a little game. A little game? Mm-hmm. Of what? A little game of poker. Mind if I use your phone, Sergeant Matheson? No, not at all, Mr. Williams. Sergeant, my company is demanding action from you and Mr. Carter here. Yes. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Williams. Frankly, we can't wait for anything much longer. You realize the losses act me underwriters are taking? Hello. Hello, Boulevard Garage. This is Mr. Williams. Is my car ready? What? Two new tires. I see the old ones are pretty badly cut up, eh? Well, that makes three new tires in all. Uh-huh. Well, all right, go ahead. I suppose it can't be helped. Car trouble, huh? Yes. But that's the least of my worries, Mr. Carter. My firm's insured the Stanley Jewels along with that diamond necklace for almost $100,000. Unless you nail down the ace of spades pretty quickly. Ah, well, might as well try to nail down a ghost. We'll do what we can, Mr. Williams. I've got a lead on him now, I think. What lead? Well, I'd rather not say until I'm sure it'll be of value. Very well. I don't care how you get the ace of spades as long as you get him. And soon. Good day, gentlemen. Goodbye. Hey, Nick. What's this lead you're talking about? I'll let you know, Mary. When and if it pays dividends. Oh, by the way, did... Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Homicide, Sergeant Matheson. Sergeant, is Nick there? Oh, yeah, sure, Patsy. Yeah, Nick, it's for you. Hmm. Hello, Patsy. Did you find anything? Plenty. I canvassed the big jewelry stores just as you told me to do. And? After walking my feet off and talking to about a hundred supercilious jewelry clerks, I finally made a strike at Rutledge's. They make up those cufflinks? Yes. Did they have a carbon of the sales slip? Yes, Nick, they did. Ah. The man who ordered those cufflinks was Frankie Morello. Morello, huh? Good work, Patsy. Go home now. Soak your feet in hot water. I'll let you know when I need you again. Yes? The Ace of Clubs is here to see you. Send him in. Hello, Chief. You sent for me? Yes, Frankie. Sit down. Thanks. Well, Chief, how'd you like the way Joe and me pulled off that Stanley job, huh? That's an interesting pair of cufflinks you're wearing, Frankie. Little aces of clubs, eh? Yeah, pretty neat if I do say so. Had them made to order. That was very careless of you, Frankie. Ace, what do you mean by that? You wore them on the Stanley job. You gave Nick Carter a clue. You'll find out who you are sooner or later. Yeah, but Chief, Nick I... Carter's a dangerous man with a clue, Frankie. Now he hopes to get at me through you. It's going to be embarrassing to have you around. Hey, Chief, I didn't wear these cufflinks at the Stanley's. I swear I didn't. Oh, didn't you, Frankie? No, no, you're going to believe me. Yes. Send in the Queen of Hearts. Right. What? Meet the Queen of Hearts, Frankie. You. Yes, Frankie. It's I. Sorry, Frankie. Chief, no. No! No! <laughs> 
Gangster Extra Rito! Oh, a fine state of affairs, Nick. Frankie Morello, our only clue wiped out. Yes. But only you and I knew about that cufflinks clue, Nick. What is this ace of spades, a mind reader? That's who you forget. Huh? When you and I were discussing it at John Stanley's house, someone else was there who could have overheard us. Oh, Nick, you're not suggesting that Rhoda... She was in the room with us when we talked it over. Well, I know, but she was in a severe state of shock. Was she? Nick, you don't mean... I mean that things are beginning to add up. Look, Patsy, those crooks knew where the wall safe was, even at the combination. Oh, yes, that's right. The ace of spades could have received that valuable information direct from Rhoda. Yes, but we can't be sure of that, Nick. No, but there's one thing we can be sure of. Neither you nor I tipped off the ace of spades about that cufflinks clue. And somebody did. And the ace felt it was important enough to force him to destroy the evidence, his own henchman. Then it must have been Rhoda who tipped him off. She was the only other person who knew about the cufflinks. Exactly. I... Oh, I can't believe it. What? Well, I, I knew Rhoda Stanley well. Of course, I haven't seen her for... Oh, Nick, how could Rhoda be an accomplice to the murder of her husband right before her own eyes? Patsy, those jewels in the safe were insured for $100,000. That's a lot of money. Not to mention the millions that John Stanley probably left her in his will. But if Rhoda's mixed up in this, then who is the ace of spades? I've got a hunch, but I'm not positive yet. Whoever he is, he has an intimate knowledge of the jobs he tackles. And all these jobs have been pulled off against Acme underwriters. Fancy, suppose someone had easy access to the files of the company. Files? Yes, on banks, furriage, first storage vaults, and other properties, giving their floor layouts, burglar alarm setups, and so forth. A clever crook could pull off a nice, clean job with this information, couldn't he? Yes. Oh, but there might be any number of men who'd have access to this information. Adjusters, executives, insurance actuaries... Any number of people on the inside. True, but we can narrow it down further. This man, this ace of spades, would not only have to be an inside man, he'd have to be someone who got around on the outside, too. Knew all these places by actual experience, because he'd visited them. That's the only way he could operate the way he's doing. Wait a minute, Nick. You mean... I'm not sure, Patsy. But I hope to know within an hour. Come on, get your hat, let's go. Go? Go where? To the boulevard garage. That's where Ralph Williams keeps his car. Nick, that garage attendant looked a little suspicious when you told him you were a dealer and that Mr. Williams sent you down to make an estimate on his car. Uh, I'm going to make an estimate, all right. Now, here we are. Nick, you still haven't told me why you're interested in Mr. Williams' car. Not interested in the car itself. Just the tires. Uh, the tires? Yes. I understand three of his tires were cut up so badly he had to have new ones. I think I know what cut his tires that way. I want to be sure. Well, hurry up. That that attendant is keeping his eye on us. Ah, Patsy, I've found what I've been looking for. Nick, I just don't get it. Here, take a good look at all four of these tires. Huh? See the glass particles and the treads? There's old tires, full of them. Yes, but what do they mean? I mean that Mr. Williams has been driving this car over roads littered with broken glass. And the only place in town where there are roads like that is in the abandoned slum section. Then, Nick, what you're saying is that... Ralph Williams is the ace of spades. Yes. And I'd bet every poker chip in the pot on it. Hmm. 
investigation. William speaking. Who? Claims Department. Oh, yes, Mr. Redden. Funny, I was just talking to Mrs. Stanley. She's right here in my office now. No, we haven't been able to break that Stanley case. The ace of spades got clean away with those jewels. Huh? I know it's a lot of money, but we're licked and we'll have to pay the claim. Yes, I know, and you're perfectly right. But even Nick Carter's fallen down on this one. All right, Mr. Redden. Goodbye. Well, my dear, it looks as though you're in. They're going to okay the claim. When will it come through? The cash, I mean. Sometime next week. And after that, my dear, I suggest you go away for a long vacation trip. In fact, I think I'll join you myself. It's uh, getting pretty warm in town. Yes, come in. A messenger brought this letter for you, Mr. Williams. Oh, thank you, Miss Hamilton. Hmm. From Nick Carter. Nick Carter? I wonder what he wants. Now, my dear, nothing to be nervous about. Let's see. There's nothing in it but a playing card. Yes. But look at that card. It's the Joker. Nick, the messenger left William's office five minutes ago. I know. It's almost dark. He'll be out soon. When he does, Patsy, we'll tail him. Nick, why did you send him that Joker? Just having a little fun. In the ace's own way. But isn't that dangerous? Shouldn't we have just gone up and got him? What if he gets away? He won't. You forget one thing, Patsy. What? The loot. The ace is almost half a million dollars salted away somewhere. And he's certainly not going to leave town without picking it up. That's the big reason why he sent him the Joker. He knows we're on to him now. It'll flush him out. Of course. And he'll lead us right to the hideaway. If everything goes according to Hoyle... Nick, do you think it's in one of those slum tenements somewhere? I'd bet on it. Can't think of a better place to hide anything. Here, wait a minute. Hmm? Yes. Here comes Williams out of his building now. Yes, and... Rhoda Stanley's with him. Hmm. They're getting into a taxi. All right, Betsy. Here we go. Look, they've stopped at the Riverview Boathouse. Yes, they're getting into a launch. But I don't understand. This means they're not going to the tenement area. On the contrary, Betsy. You forgot one thing. The river fronts that area, and the boat running quietly with its lights out might get in a lot easier than a car, especially when all the streets are being watched. We can't let them get away, Nick. What now? I'm going on to the tenement area. You get Maddie on the phone. Uh-huh. Have him throw a cordon around this entire area. And tell him to notify the harbor police, too. All right, Nick. I fancy make it plain to Mary that the harbor police are not to stop the boat. They just keep them under surveillance. We want the ace to pick up that money before he tries a final getaway. Well, Nick, it worked out just as you figured. The ace of spades came off that boat and went into that five-story tenement right across the street there. Yes, lucky your men were posted under those docks, Matty. Otherwise, we might have missed him. Well, the Stanley woman's waiting in the boat. We can pick her up later just as soon as we... Hey, Nick. Huh? The ace of spades is coming out. Get back into the doorway. 
He went in empty-handed and came out with a suitcase. Yeah, that's the swag, all right. Well, here goes. Just a minute, Ace. What? No, drop that gun. Drop it, I say. Nice shot, Matty. Winged him in the arm. Yes, sir, you trumped the ace of spades neatly. They're starting to tear down these tenements today. Oh, what a place. Even in daylight, it gives me the creeps. Yes, but someday they tell me this is going to be a beautiful housing development with parks and playgrounds for the kids. Maybe, but right now it looks like a kind of death house. And speaking of the death house, I wonder what the Ace of Spades is thinking about now. About black on red or red on black? Uh Nick, what on earth do you mean? I just spoke to Matty on the phone a few moments ago. He tells me the ace of spades sits in the death cell all day and all night, playing solitaire. Say, Nick, uh, how about giving us a few of the ingredients that make up your story for next week? Why, sure, Hugh. Take a beautiful young girl who's positive she's going crazy, just as her mother did before her. Then add her boyfriend, who refused to believe she was losing her mind in spite of the evidence to the contrary. Mix them together, and add a country doctor who alone knew the secret behind it all. And you have the tense and unbelievable situation with which Nick was faced. And, uh, what do you call this witch's brew, Nick? I call it the case of the demented daughter. Carter, Master Detective, which is produced and directed by Jock McGregor, is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications Incorporated. Pictured stories of Nick Carter appear in every issue of The Shadow Comics. In the broadcast of Nick Carter, Master Detective, Lon Clark is starred as Nick, Charlotte Manson is featured as Patsy, Matty is played by Ed Latimer, original music is played by George Wright, script is by Max Ehrlich. Any resemblance in these programs to actual persons, living or dead, or to actual places is purely coincidental. Nick Carter, Master Detective, is presented over most of these mutual stations each week at this same time. This is Hugh Sanders saying so long until next week. heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. That's it for Case Closed. This week you can find more from Nick Carter, Sherlock Holmes, past episodes of Case Closed, thousands of other old-time radio episodes, our shoutcast stream, and everything else Relic Radio, all at the website, relicradio.com. Donate through the website if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. It's how these shows keep coming to you every week. Thank you to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Wednesday with another episode of Case Closed.